Monday, April 2nd, having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real-life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. Harry, today in the news, I want to talk about the March for Our Lives. Now, this was the march that took place two weekends ago. As we compare the March for Our Lives and the March for Life, commemorating the terrible decision by the Supreme Court of Roe v. Wade. It's interesting to note that the coverage by the major news networks was 13 times more for the March for Our Lives than it was for the March for Life, which took place back in January. The poster child for the March for Our Lives is a young man, David Hogue, out of the South Florida High School where the terrible shooting took place. It's sort of a sad commentary. David has decided just to have a profanity-ridden rant every time he seems to go on the TV. Yeah, and then when asking, just exactly after the avalanche of profanity, the young man was asked, and what policy changes? He said, well, I don't know what policy changes. I'm a teenager. You're an adult. You ought to come up with policy changes. Well, actually, the adults that have been funding these things do have a policy change in mind. Let's back up just for a minute, Tom. Ask ourselves the question, why is it that you have this massive response to this situation of the march for our lives, as you rightly point out, is not even comparable to the issue of the march for life. The march for our lives is generated from the horrific shooting. We are told that the problem is, quote unquote, gun violence. Now, what does the March for Life do? Well, it looks at not at dozens of lives lost in a schoolroom. It looks at millions of lives that are being lost in the womb. And so when you take a look at the overwhelming statistical difference, you would think that the media, just on the basis of any objective reporting standards, would give attention to the March for Life, but they don't. They pretty well now bury it on the third page and beyond, but they are fascinated with this. Why? We don't want to send our kids to school, have to worry about, are they going to be gunned down? And we ask ourselves, is that because of guns? Are our guns actually a go-to instrument that's being used in a culture of death? This young man has called for a response from, quote-unquote, the adult population with an adolescent fascination with profanity. He is now being promoted or, quote, puffed by the media. And what he is doing, of course, is somewhat revealing because you see the inability of our culture to discuss issues without resorting to epithets, name-calling, and also profanity. I still hold pretty much to what I learned growing up and my dad, mom told me that when people in a conversation or a debate resort to profanity and blasphemy, that reveals one of two things. Either their argument is weak and therefore they have to prop it up with profanity or the one presenting the argument is weak in terms of vocabulary and has to resort to profanity. And I think that's true in this matter as well. If we have a valid discussion on this, Tom, I went to a school that was in a rural area. It was a county high school, and a lot of the guys would come with guns in their truck. You had actually had target practice classes that you could go to. How did we move in the culture to that place where you didn't even worry about it? People would not have thought of it. How did we get there? And and by the way, how how do we, um, and, and, and of course in our 
you not only see this violence with the use of guns, but you also see the depression that is taking place among our young people. They are now reaching out for the answer to their significance in life with these horrific acts and their quote-unquote 15 minutes, and in this case it of course stretches into days and months and weeks, of fame and notoriety. Why is that happening? It's not the presence of guns. With all due respect, guns don't do violence. Guns are instruments that can do violence. The question is, why are guns now being used in such a violent manner? And they're being used at places that would have been unthinkable, like churches and schools, etc. Why is that happening? Could we perhaps take a look at our culture that the adults are now foisting upon the young people, such as video games where violence is objectified? Video games where you are rewarded from killing faceless people with horrific acts. Pornography objectifies women. Should we be so amazed that people who spend hours in front of pornography walk into a business environment and objectify women in their comments? What is it that is filling the minds and hearts of the people in the culture? That's what's producing people who then do what would previously be unthinkable acts within the culture. So, Tom, those are the questions we ought to be asking ourselves. But then we're back to why is this movement so publicized? Well, I think very clearly the Second Amendment is the target. And therefore, there has to be a discussion. Why is there the Second Amendment? Well, the simple fact is the Second Amendment is there because the Founding Fathers believed in the sanctity of self-protection and the protection of the states from a runaway government that they would be able to arm their citizens and could respond to any tyrannical move of the government. What we need to ask ourselves, why is the valid provision of the Second Amendment, why is that now being used as a mechanism to access a weapon to be used for violence that objectifies people as targets to carry out my despair and depression in life? What is causing the despair and depression in the culture? And what is it that is causing people to think in that direction? That's really what the adults ought to bring to the conversation. But instead, the adults are using the First Amendment right of assembly and free speech, which was exercised in the March for Our Lives, which we must preserve that First Amendment right. But yet those with an agenda to remove the Second Amendment funded it and are now using the valid concerns of these students in order to promote their own agenda. And then they also fastened themselves on a spokesperson who then brings the passion of profanity to bear upon the entire exercise. Let's realize the dynamic, what's happening in the coarsening of our culture. But I think there's something even more fundamental for believers, and that's this. Let's bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear upon the culture and the glorious statement of life and what it means to live life, and that life is not hiding away in a room playing video games that objectifies violence and people as faceless targets for violence, that creates this environment of despair, this environment of depression, in which aggressive behavior against others becomes the route of affirming myself from faceless notoriety to being somebody in the culture. Let's bring the truth of the gospel 
the dignity of humanity, the glory of the love of Christ for sinners, the reclamation that you are made and saved for a distinct purpose in life, and that there is dignity to life, and there is dignity to being made in the image of God, and there is hope in being restored by the glorious presence of Christ who died for our sins and rose again, that we might have life, and that we might have life abundantly filled with hope. So while I want to speak to the constitutional issues, and I want to challenge people to think of the culture that is producing these acts of violence, whereby the adults have affirmed violence against children in the womb, then why are we amazed when the children grow up decide to bring violence against other children, not in a womb, but in a classroom? What is it in our culture that's doing that? What we've got to bring is the hope of the gospel to the culture. Recognizing all of those factors and the death spiral of the culture that's producing it, what is it that we can bring that will elevate people to hope and life? And I believe it's the glorious news that Jesus Christ is the redeemer of sinners and takes us from hopelessness to a blessed hope that is unconquerable and that makes men and women walk in the hope of new life and eternal life in Christ. Harry, as we close out for today, let me remind our listeners they can subscribe to Today in Perspective. It's easy on your smartphone or your tablet. Simply go to your iTunes icon, type in Today in Perspective with Harry Reader. Each and every weekday on your podcast icon will automatically download a new edition of Today in Perspective, a great way to stay in touch. Well, thanks for being with us today. Join us again tomorrow, Tuesday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective.